Thank you for listening to the Giving Light Podcast. We are a family church and world outreach center. Our heart is to empower you to walk in true freedom and equip you to impact your world. Please visit our website at givinglight.org to learn more about us and our many resources, including original music by Brave Music, e-courses for leaders, tools for raising powerful kids, and more. If you would like to support Giving Light financially, visit our Give Online page to choose the best giving method for you. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy this message. You know, uh, when you get around certain people, you think, man, I wish I was like that. She gets up and, ah, you know, she's just on fire. <laughs> well, I'm just, uh, I'm on fire. I'm just the coals, <laughs> not the flame. But anyway, praise the Lord. Uh, Katie, when she got up, she inspired me. She was talking about a feeling. And so uh, a song came to me. I've just got this feeling deep inside of me. Lord, you just don't realize what you do to me. When you hold me in your arms so tight, you let me know everything's all right. I'm hooked on a feeling. I'm high on believing that you're in love with me. Your word is sweet as honey. Your taste is on my mind. Lord, you got me thirsty for some Holy Ghost new wine. I've got a friend in you, Lord, and I don't need a cure. Hallelujah. Anyway, thank you, Lord. I like, uh, that was B.J. Thomas, and he's in my range, so. Anyway, um, do you know, uh, we are, uh, do you remember the, the story in Genesis about the garden, the garden of Eden? You know, that, that story is repeated every day, every day you have, you and I all, we all have a garden and the Lord comes visits us in that garden, but also there's a serpent that comes to visit us in the garden and God has given us authority to keep and tend and guard the garden. And so uh, I wanted to say about the feeling, the feeling comes when we are positioned in a place to where we are able to receive what the Lord has for us. When he comes to the garden, are we prepared to receive from the Lord? And some, some of us, we, we're not aware that we have a garden to take care of. You know, uh, when I was growing up, my dad, well, my grandfather had uh, a six, acre, uh, six acres of land with a house on it with fruit trees, apple trees, and, uh, and the rest of it was pretty much garden. And so Melody and I, she was admiring the corn on the way in this morning. I said, well, you know, I like it too. Just reminds me of my grandfather's garden. 
And uh, so we had corn, we had tomatoes, we had cucumbers. I remember one time we even had a strawberry patch. You know, we, had, we just had a lot. We just had a lot. We didn't have to go buy fresh vegetables. We grew fresh vegetables. We grew our green beans, or he grew them. But uh, do you not remember uh, you had to hoe the garden? You know what hoe means? Hoe the garden. <laughs> hoe the garden. That means you got to hoe. Anyway, forget that. <laughs> you had to take out the weeds. You had to get rid of the weeds, and you took a hoe, and you had to, you had to go get, uh, cut the weeds off, and you had to get in between so that, you, uh, so that your produce would bear more fruit. You got a better, you got a better crop if you, if you hoed your garden, if you got rid of the, uh, the weeds. And so some of you might be saying, well, you know, I just wish I had a feeling. You might need to hoe your garden. You know, uh, I was, uh, the thought came to me about some people, you know, they're fascinated with the house of horror. You know, they love, they love horror movies. They love all that. But, you know, the scripture says that those who love it will eat the fruit thereof. You know, some people are just addicted to crisis. They can't live without a crisis. If it's too peaceful, they've got to create crisis so they feel comfortable. And that's so if you're if you are addicted to crisis, that's the feeling you're going to get. If you are addicted to the to the adrenaline of the house of horrors, that's what you're going to get. But bless God, I like I like peace. We do not allow drama in our house. We don't allow drama in our house. You might bring it, but when you go, it's gone. But the garden is in between your ears. The scripture says, I wasn't planning on preaching this, but the scripture says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So what he's telling us is that we have a responsibility to hoe our garden. The garden is your brain. The garden is your mind. So you can allow, you can allow the weeds to grow, but you're going to experience weeds. It just takes a little more work. Takes a little more work, but bless God, you get a better crop. You get a better crop. And so we've been talking, or I've been talking, about hope. Hope has to be cultivated. Hope has to be planted. Hope has to be tended. Hope, you know, hope deferred makes the heart sick. And I wanted to speak this morning about you know, what I've been talking about, hope, is not just a theological dissertation. I like to preach stuff that, 
that produces every that produces fruit in everyday life. So if hope deferred makes the heart sick, then if we don't allow hope in our heart, then it actually will make us physically sick. I read a book a number of years ago by, by a Christian doctor, and I kept thinking it's, it's toxic emotions. It's not toxic emotions, it's deadly emotions. It's deadly emotions. Your your emotions that you can control, uh, you know, you might not be able to control some the right way, but you can control what stays. Uh, Martin Luther, the guy that uh, started the Lutheran church, he said, you cannot stop birds from flying over your head, but you can stop them from making a nest in your hair. So you can't stop the thoughts that just come, but you can stop it from staying there. You can stop it from building a nest there, and when it builds a nest there, it occupies you. Well, Jesus told the disciples before he left, he said, occupy until I come. So in other words, we occupy, we take care of, we rule our minds, we rule our emotions so that we will not only bring health to ourselves, but we will bring health to the world. We're not just, you know, we are not just here to come together just to get pumped up. Even though, hey, great, man, I like to get pumped up at church. I like somebody inspiring me, but bless God, I want to take it with me. I don't want to get just pumped up in church. I want to live pumped up. I want to live a life that is demonstrate that is a demonstration of the kingdom of God and peace. Somebody talked about it this morning. Somebody talked about peace. Don't remember who it was. You know, every time somebody gets up, you know, they're singing songs. I get a sermon with everything that's said. I don't even need to prepare a sermon. I could just go through and talk about everything that every song, every, you know, every prophetic word that comes along. I could just stand up and preach about it. Hallelujah. But, you know, I just don't want to preach. I don't want to live it. I want to live life. Hallelujah. You know, years ago, somebody gave me a book. Well, Rebecca. Rebecca gave me a book. I think, yeah, it was called Life is Good. And the Holy Ghost asked me, he said, do you believe that? Well, I'm a man of paste and powder. I mean, faith and power. (laughs) So I said, of course I do. And then he said it again. Do you believe it? Well, I knew he wasn't looking for information. He was trying to speak to me because I, you know, I was saying all the right things, doing all the right things, but inwardly, I didn't like life. I didn't like what I was experiencing. And so really the, the book, the cover of the book was real. I read the book, but the, it, was, it was enough for the Holy Ghost to speak to me And to begin, because he wanted to shift my thinking, shift my mindset, shift the way I acted. So anyway, I was preaching life was good all the time. So somebody got me a cup, life was good. And I looked at that this morning. I thought, man, I need to, mm." (laughs) you know, that's in case you can't see it. Somebody playing golf. 
They must have putted one in. <laughs> Just, mm. Life is good. Hallelujah. Well, life is good because we live, we have, we are, we have hope. We've got hope. Well, the core value of our church is covenant. It is bravery and it's influence. But you know, to live a life of hope, we've got, we have to realize that we are living a covenant life. And we are, we are speaking that covenant. Because hope comes from the promise of God, the promise that he's made to us, the promises, we have hope that those promise. we have a joyful anticipation, a joyful expectation that what God has promised, he is going to do in our lives. Now, faith says it's now, I have it now, but I, but I also have to have that hope because faith is the substance of things hoped for. So whatever it takes, I keep myself built up on knowing that life is good. I keep myself, just as we also talked about in, um, I think it was the last time I preached, but in uh, Zechariah chapter 9, verse 11, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but I just, just want to remind you. So I'm not picking myself. <laughs> not picking my seat. I just have to keep my... Yeah, Mary Hart does good like a medicine. Some of you just need a lot of medicine. <laughs> but in Zechariah 9, it says in verse, in verse 11, it says, But as for you also, because of the blood of your covenant. Now, back then, they were sacrificing lambs, bulls, and goats, and doves, and birds. But our covenant's different. We have the precious blood of Jesus, the eternal blood with the eternal covenant. So he says, because of the blood of your covenant, I will set your prisoners free from their waterless pits. Anybody ever feel dry? God says, I want to set you free from your waterless pits. I want to set you free from your boredom. I want to set you free from your dryness. I want to set you free so that you can live a life, Jesus said, out of your bellies will flow rivers of living water. We're always looking for something on the outside. We're always looking for an external factor to, uh, to fix us. But the reality is, is you've got the fix on the inside. You've got the fix on the inside. You've got rivers of living water. You've got the greater one on the inside of you. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. But he also goes on in verse, verse 12. He says, return to the stronghold. You know, there are bad strongholds and there are good strongholds. Paul said, casting down imaginations and every, and every high thing and every stronghold that is against the knowledge of God. So if I have a stronghold that is contrary to the word of God, if I have a stronghold of fear, that is a stronghold that needs to be knocked down. If I have a stronghold of arrogance, that is a stronghold that I need to cast down. You know, insecurity and arrogance are the same thing. 
Both of them, you're thinking about yourself. Your focus is on yourself. Bless God. We've got a covenant. We've got a covenant that where we focus on him and it brings hope. You don't have to work it up. You don't have to work hope up. You just have to be around the hopeful. If you want to feel bad, just get around some people that are always talking bad. If you want to sing the blues, go ahead. Uh, there was a Christian song years ago, but it is relating to, <laughs> it's relating to songs. And when the guy got saved, he says, I don't sing those songs anymore. Like born to lose and of the life before. Because what we say is what we get for sure. I don't sing those songs anymore. There's a second verse to that. There's more to this a little closer home. Like the old account was settled long ago. Hold the fort and farther along. And living here on barely get along. We've got to get away from barely get along. It's like, it's like uh, Melody was talking about this morning. We not only need our needs met, there's a world that needs needs. And we've got to be a conduit. We've got to be a channel so that God can bless us so that we can give to people that are really in need. People that are really in need. I want to be a channel. I, you know, at my age, you know, my, uh, I took a picture. I took a selfie. I got on my bicycle and I rode up to Cuppies from my house. And I felt pretty accomplished about that, you know. And I just took a selfie of me and my helmet. And you could see a little bit of my bicycle. And I put it on Facebook. And my cousin that's probably 15 years older than me, I think she's in her 80s. She says, oh, that, that's what old age looks like. I got something to look forward to. So anyway, old age, you know. Grandma goes into the nursing home to visit the young people. You know, uh, she's 94, and so it's all a state of mind. All a state of mind. What's your, what, what are you minding? What are you minding? Are you minding the blues? Are you, are you feeding on the blues? Are you fleeting? Feeding on the blessing. Hallelujah. Are you feeding on life? He came that I might have life and life more abundantly. Well, he goes on to say, return to the stronghold, you prisoners of hope. So, so in other words, there is a stronghold that's a positive stronghold. We need to knock down the enemy's strongholds, but we need to build strongholds in us that keep us connected to the power. Keep us connected to the word. I want a stronghold of health. I want a stronghold of peace. I want a stronghold of joy. I am captivated by love. My God loves me and I'm captivated by it. What are you captivated by? Captivated by love. 
But he says, you prisoners of hope, even today I declare that I will restore double to you. So if you'll knock down those strongholds of the enemy and build strongholds of holiness and righteousness and of what God has promised you, he will give you double. But there's also a scripture in the Old Testament that says when the thief is caught, he must restore sevenfold. So if you want more than double... Start believing that one. You just want you just want him to leave you alone. You don't want, you don't want him back. No, no, I want back. I remember um, anybody here ever heard of Smith Wigglesworth? I re- uh, anybody? Okay, good. <laughs> you know, with young people, you don't you don't really know how many people know stuff, so. But anyway, Smith Wigglesworth was a, was a preacher, and uh, actually he was a plumber. And uh, he had a real solid, faithful wife. She could preach. He couldn't preach. You know, he would just, he would just, <laughs> he would just sit in the back and just watch and let her preach. Well, he went off. They didn't believe in the baptism in the Holy Spirit, you know, but he, I, this is just, whatever. <laughs> I'm just going on rabbit trails today. But anyway, she didn't believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, so he went to this other city and would just believe in the Lord for the Holy Spirit. Well, he, uh, he didn't get it, and so he went to the people and told him, well, I have to go back. And, uh, well, did you get baptized? No, I didn't get baptized. So they prayed for him. He got baptized in the Holy Spirit. So he sent a telegraph <laughs> to his wife. <laughs> and uh, he told her, I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. <laughs> so anyway, hallelujah, the joy of the Lord. You might as well, <laughs> might as well start laughing too. Anyway. So anyway, uh, by the time she got home, by the time he got home, she was angry. He, he got baptized in the Holy Ghost. And I could tell you some more recent stories, but don't have time. And so she says, well, we're going to see if you're baptized in the Holy Ghost or not, because you're going to preach tonight. <laughs> and so he got up. And he started preaching. And he said she was on the back bench and she was like bouncing back. You know, she was sitting, but she was bouncing back and forth across this, across this bench. And by the time he was done, she said, you must have got filled with the Holy Ghost. <laughs> because he could not preach. He would just get up there and stand. He couldn't, wouldn't even hardly talk. But man, the Holy Ghost came on him. The Holy Ghost came in him. Well, he already had the Holy Ghost in him, but the Holy Ghost came on him. I'm telling you that we can build strongholds on the inside of ourselves because hope is not just for, it's not just for us. It is something to be demonstrated. It can be a nonverbal witness, a nonverbal witness to the world. Some of you like the nonverbal witness because you're too afraid to open your mouth. But the reality is, 
the more we spend time with him who gives hope and him who, he doesn't give us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind, we become that. Whoever you hang around, you become like. Thank you, Jesus. Now, I don't know what to say. I'm done. (laughs) Wow, might as well be. It's almost 12. Oh, yeah. This is another scripture I thought of. It says, be ready to give an account for the hope that is in you. In other words, you are living a life of hope and it's seen all over you. You're living a life of joy and you express it. Your faith expresses it. You're living a life of peace. When everybody else is um, You know, sometimes we say slang words, and some people it means one thing, some people it means another, so I don't want to say that word. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, you're just really flipping out. <laughs> you've, got, you've, got, you've got so much on the inside of you. And when they see the hope on the inside of you, he says to be ready to give an account. Be ready to give an account for the hope that is on the inside of you. In other words, it is a nonverbal witness of what has happened on the inside of you. So be ready to give an account. I had a guy, uh, well, you've heard this story, but bears repeating a guy came up to me and he said, uh, how come you're so happy? Well, two weeks before I was complaining <laughs> to the Lord. You know, that's scriptural. Read the Psalms. I'm, I'm, I'm in the midst of reading Job now. <laughs> Job was complaining. You know, those first couple of times that Job spoke, The Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Well, and then the Bible says that he had not, he didn't sin. But the reality was, who took it away? Satan took it away. Then somebody said, well, God let him. Job let him. The thing I feared came upon me. He opened the door. Just a thought. But there's some psalms in the Bible that's called psalms of complaint. But in the psalms of complaint, I call that there, I see a grace shift. Anybody familiar with the uh, manual transmission in your car? Most people are driving automatics now. They don't have no clue how to drive a standard stick shift. They're actually kind of fun. So they're just on, most people on cruise control. But sometimes you need to shift it. I used to have a card that told me when to shift. I didn't like it. Because I knew better. I thought I knew better when to shift. But anyway, 
We need to, there was a grace shift in those psalms of complaint. He would complain, and then it was like there was a shift where he shifted out of complaining into grace. So it's okay to complain, but just don't stay there. You need to shift out of that. Go ahead and make your complaint. Go ahead and go ahead and do that, but then shift over into grace. Shift over into thankfulness. Shift over into worship. Make the shift. Thank the Lord. Well, I do have a sermon here somewhere. <laughs> Praise the Lord. You want to go home early? Sure. Hey, why not? Well, hallelujah. Just save this one for another time. Well, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus right now, Lord, I thank you for the power of the grace shift. I thank you, Lord God, that we, that we are a people, Lord God, that have a hope on the inside of us that's going to be recognized, Father God, by the world. And I just decree right now in the name of Jesus that, the, that you are going to have people come into your life that say, why do you, why are you so hopeful? Why aren't you upset? Why aren't you, uh, why aren't you frustrated like everybody else? And you're going to have that ability to, to speak the life because of the hope that's on the inside of you. And the Lord says that I have given you a garden. And the Lord says that I've not only given you a garden on the inside of you, but I've given you a garden in your family. Your spouse is your garden. Your children are your garden. Your friends are your garden. Your acquaintances are your garden. The Lord says that I've given the world to you as a garden, and I want you to sow the seeds of life. I want you to sow the seeds of hope. I want you to sow the seeds of grace, says the Lord. For the Lord says it is then that I'm going to cause my kingdom to come forth in great power and anointing, says the Lord. For the Lord says, how can they believe unless they hear? And the Lord says, as you speak words of life, it's going to create an, a life that'll come forth through them, says the Lord. So be not afraid. I've not given you the spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. For I would even say unto you, the wicked flee when no man pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. And I have decreed that you are righteous, says the Lord, because you have put your faith and your hope in me, says the Lord. I have not called you to walk in fear. I've not called, called you to walk in anxiety or timidity. I've called you to live a life of bold faith, says the Lord. And the Lord says, it is a life that you will enjoy, says the Lord. So, uh, so be. Hallelujah. Just get your faith up. Get your hope up. Get your laughter up. Hallelujah. Anybody need to laugh? It's pretty easy. Just get around Jesus. If you, if you think Jesus is boring, you don't know Jesus. You know, sinners like to hang around Jesus. Do you ever know of sinners who just want to have a bad time? Have you ever drove down 147 along the river? 
there, it's like a pole building. And it's got a big sign on it that says Party Palace or Party Place. I don't know if they're sinners or not, but it just, it just, it looked like they were when I drove by, but. <laughs> and they, they just want to have a good time. You know, if Jesus, if Jesus wasn't somebody, if Jesus was a, a, a joy stealer, you think they'd want to hang around him? They wanted to be, as a matter of fact, the religious people didn't want to be around him. Just a thought. Well, hallelujah. Uh, we're going to ask the healing team to come up. <laughs> 